Hey there, this is Terry Cowley, weekday breakfast presenter on 1FM Shepparton. Thanks for checking out this podcast. It was recorded live as part of The Brecky Show, which you can catch 6 to 9am Monday to Friday. The Murray River Group of Councils has launched a campaign to aimed at preventing the federal government from reinstating water buybacks from farmers as part of the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. To tell us all about it this morning is the chair of the Murray River Group of Councils and the mayor of Campaspe, Rob Amos. Good morning, Rob. Hi, Terry. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, and thanks for your time this morning. Now, tell us all about this pushback buybacks campaign. There seems to be, I guess, sort of unity across the political spectrum on this locally. Yeah, there is. Um, so, you know, the Murray River Group of Councils, which is uh, councils all along the river, um, sort of from Yarrawonga up to Mildura, but it also includes Loddon as well. You know, a long time ago, they, this group was established and its main objective was to advocate for water policy. And so this is obviously a very big change that's happened in the, in the, over the last few weeks, actually, and it's come... I guess we thought something was coming, but we didn't think it was going to be as dramatic as this, uh, a water amendment bill of 2023, which, as you said, is going to um, uh, reintroduce... Well, there's always been buybacks on the table, but uh, buybacks have always been subject to the triple bottom line, which is um, uh, social, economic and environmental, and it looks like they're taking the social and economic part of that out. Well, what's the, your campaign's case against this, essentially? Yeah, so I guess there's a few things to it. Um, part of it is that we believe uh, Victoria has already done the heavy lifting. So the Murray-Darling Basin Plan had a target of uh, recovering 2,750 gigalitres of water, of which Victoria's portion of that was 1,075. Now, by um, the 30th of June 2024, so next year, when the plan is due to be completed, Victoria will have completed around about 80% of that target, and we would say that because of um, COVID and, and floods and so on, there was there's a fair bit of work that hasn't been done. So, and, and the information I've got from the state government, the Victorian state government, is that by the, uh, the end of 2026, so a couple of years later, about two and a half years later, we should be up at around 98% completed. So. Victoria's done the heavy lifting. Our farmers are very compliant. Uh, There's been the Sidland projects that have been started to be put in place and more of them need to be done. Um, And and, and so that's one side of it. As I said, the socioeconomic um, test is a really important one. If we go back to the Water Act of 2007 um, and on page 2, section 3, uh, it, it actually says in the Act that um, with the objects of the Act, which is the underlying purpose of the Act, is there's a whole range of things, but one of them is that uh, to promote and use the management of the basin water resources in a way that optimises economic, social and environmental outcomes. So that's actually in the 2007 Act, and that's littered throughout the whole Act. It keeps going back to economic, social and environmental. So triple bottom line all the way through. And um, when when a government is going to take away that, what it tells me is is that perhaps there is going to be a negative social and economic impact for our communities and, and we don't think that's right. Can the government just ignore that section of the Act? Well, my understanding of how this is going to work, and um, I, this is quite technical, but my understanding is they are going to create a new 450. 
which will not be covered by this part. So they, it's 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 very technical that they, the the four fifty that's there is still going to be covered by that part of the act, but the the amendment is going to create a new four fifty that they can recover. Yeah, it is a bit technical and a bit confusing for us yeah. lay people, but essentially water going out that we don't water, want to go out. Now, yeah. it seems to me with the campaign that you've put together, you've been very careful to not oppose the concept of environmental water. You just don't want it to come from, you know, this pool. That's right. So, as I said, um, you know, Victor, we... we we um, we live here. This is this is, the environment is very important to us. We the, and and I, as I said, I think that particularly in the uh, in our area, in in Victoria, there's been a whole lot of environmental projects already done. There's some more to do, and we would um, and in fact, one we are happy that the the actual amendment bill extends timeframes for some of those Sidland projects to continue. We know we've got successful projects in Gumbau, up in Hatter that um, actually get water from the river and into our um, precious, um, you know, floodplains and river red gum forests and so on. And But they're done in a way that is much more environmental. They it, use much less water. We also know that the environmental water is held in the upper dams. So the Hume Dam, Dartmouth, Yeldon and so on. And to get 450 gigalitres of water down the Murray to, to where they want it to go to is just physically not possible. Um, I don't know if people know about the Barma Choke, but it's a part of the river where you just cannot get that much water through. And so we, other than just causing massive um, flooding. You aren't just whinging about this. You have put some solutions forward. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there, as I said, there is these projects that we want to continue. Um, and fr as far as recovering more water, um, and we would um, look to our uh, friends up north, and we know that uh, the New South Wales state government are well and truly behind on their projects that they need to do. Um, we know that, um, you know, if... if the Northern Basin, where um, we, we think there's a lot of problems, the Darling River, we, we know, and obviously there's a lot of water in there at the moment, but uh, that's where there's been some, some issues over the last few years. There's probably a whole lot more work that can be done up there getting started now. There's a lot of floodplain harvesting that goes on up there. There is uh, perhaps not as quite as much compliance. Um, there's not a, such a strong compliance regime on water taken out of the rivers. And so we think there's a lot of that that can go forward. Start doing that now. As I said, Victoria's been doing this since the plan was put in place. And, and, and it's, if we think about... The other interesting thing I find out about this is the Victorian government has said, no, we're not going to be part of this. But, and, and this is a Victorian Labor government with a Labor water minister saying to the federal Labor government and the federal Labor minister, we, we ha we're not going to be part of this. We have done the hard yards. Our farmers, our communities have they've, they've been through buybacks before. They've been through the job losses. They've been through the community groups that have had closed down the football clubs. We've done the hard work. It's time for other people to start um, putting their um, shoulder to the wheel and pushing. This might sound like a stupid question, but as I said, it, it is very confusing for lay people, all this gigalitres here and environmental, blah, blah, blah. But if, it, if it's all about buybacks from farmers, can farmers just not sell the water back to the government? So it's, that's a very good point. And so I get asked this, what, but what, about, what about if the farmer wants to sell his water or her water? Well, they can do that today. There is an open transparent water market there is water brokers everywhere so if a farmer says i've got i own 
30 megs of water or 100 megs of water and I want to, I'm retiring and I want to take that money. Well, you can do that now. You can go to a water broker and say, what, what that, what happens now though, that water is sold from that person and goes to another person or whatever it is and that water is still used in, in farming. So it stays in the system stays in the system. If right. the government buys it, they will buy it and they will not allow it to be used for farming. So there, there is nothing to say people can't sell their water now. It so, is, there is, a, as I said, an open, transparent market there now. So no disadvantage to a farmer no wanting to sell water. Mm. Absolutely. And farmers sell their water all the time. So they retire and they go, well, I've got a few hundred thousand dollars worth of water there. I'm, I'm going to sell it so I can go, go on a cruise. <laughs> Yep, fair enough. Um, yeah, you've yeah. also brought up the point that you believe this will have implications on the cost of living, which is already um, yep. in a you know parlous state, shall we say? Yeah, so we know last time when water buybacks happened in 2012, milk production in our area dropped by 28%. So um, that that is significant. What will happen is, and this it's, it's, it's again an accumulative effect that happens over time. As the buybacks happen, more, more there will be less and less farmers. What eventually happens is we have all these great food manufacturers up in our area. So everyone would have heard of SPC, I'm assuming, but we have Fonterra. There's a whole range of different producers that produce cheese and baby food and tomato paste and canned peaches and, and all these sort of things. Eventually what happens is there is not enough produce for these um, uh, th th there's not enough for these producers. So either they've got to put up their prices or people will not be able to buy Australian grown. It'll be all grown overseas. If there's less, it's a supply and demand thing. Demand is not going to go anywhere. In fact, we know populations are growing, so demand will either stay the same or go higher, but there will be less supply of great Australian grown fruit and veg and milk and so on. That's going to cause price increases. And when, and the Federal Treasurer, I, I read it every day when I look at the paper, cost of living crisis, prices, fuels going up, all these sort of things are going up, and yet the government is putting this, uh, wanting to put this act through that is going to have put more cost of pressure on, on everyday Australians at the supermarket. I think that's a good point you make because sometimes we can, uh, you know, every, everyday man in the street might think, that they're not interested in this issue or that That's it doesn't right. affect them. So I guess I guess this point brings it home. Now, Rob, you're expecting that the bill will be voted on sometime after November 8. Does that mean this year? Yes. Yeah, so every, every politician that I've been able to get on the phone has um, said to me that they would expect it by the end of November. Uh, so this is fairly urgent. Um, you know, we, and, and, and I guess what we're asking um, is that you know, we'd love people to go to our website, the just Murray River Group of Councils, uh, pushback buybacks, and there's a petition there. If we can get as many people to sign that, so we can take that to our politicians, uh, our federal our federal politicians, and say, hey, look, there is actually a whole lot of people here who don't agree with what you're doing here, and 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 again, um, you know, I look at the Senate inquiry that's happening at the moment about this, and they're not even coming to our area to come and talk to people. It's all being done from Canberra, and I just go. Guys, come on! This 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 is affecting just people in the in the you know northern Victoria right along the river. Come and have a chat to us. You would think that was fairly common sense. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's um yeah, and 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 I'm just going to go back to your point of it affecting um, everyday people. So we people and it is hard a hard thing for people to have the concept of. But but I think if people look around and think about how many farms ten or 
15 or 20 years ago there were and how many less there are. And I look in our area and there's less football clubs. So you hear about the, the Bormorm Extension United Football Club because those clubs had to, to, to amalgamate and we see that happening all over the place. We see the service clubs, the Apexes and the Rotaries that have less and less members and, us, and some of them are closing down. This is the ongoing effect that happens when, when we have less water because there's le- less economic activity. You know, uh, I've got a statistic here which is was a bit, a bit amazing to me. Um, so water, water and agriculture um, account for around 43% of all local expenditure and one in four jobs in our region. Yeah, very significant. It is significant. Mm. It is significant. So, so this will affect... The, and I guess the other thing that I look at, it's, it's not like when you close a power station say, over in and, uh, um, east of Victoria, one day it's open and the next day it's closed. So, you know, it happens instantaneously. This will be more like death by a thousand cuts. Mm, that sounds dramatic. <laughs> well, and, and again, I, 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 I used to live in a town in northern Victoria, uh, northern, northern New South Wales, and, and it was a thriving town, lots of great farming just it was average everyday farms and it's all been bought up by corporates now and and the farm size used to it was all dry land farming used to be a couple of thousand acres per farm you could a family could raise some kids and send them to school and all that sort of thing these days it's all owned by corporates every farm is you know 10 or 12,000 minimum size no one owns any machinery or anything like that and you go to that town now and it's a shell of what it used to be and we don't, we don't, obviously we don't, don't want that to happen here. That's what we don't want to happen in our room. No, of course not. So as you said, people can go to the Murray River Group of Council's website. You can sign the petition. There's, I think there's also letters you can send yep. to yep. your yep. politicians. So yep. I guess the time to act is now. And as you say, it's fairly urgent. Yeah, so, and it, it is. And, and I guess the, for people's information, what we're doing, we think the best point of call here is to get to our crossbenchers. So there's a few crossbenchers in, in the Senate that we that will um, we know that probably Labor and the Greens will support this and there is some independent uh, crossbenchers that we're, we're going to be talking to over the next little while if we can. We want them to come and visit our region and, um, and have a look and, and talk to some people and, and see what the effects are. Okay, well thanks for bringing us up to speed on the campaign. All the best with it, Rob. No worries and uh, keep in touch any time. Thank you, Rob. We've been speaking to Councillor Rob Amos. He is the Mayor of Campaspe up at Echuca there and also the Chair of the Murray River Group of Councils, which is spearheading this pushback buybacks campaign. This station, FM 98.5, subscribes to the Broadcasting Community Code of Practice. The Code of Practice is a set of agreed standards that have been developed by community radio stations across Australia. They reflect the unique principles of community broadcasting and guide stations in a whole range of activities, including complaints handling and Australian music content. If you'd like a copy of the Code, please contact us during business hours and we will mail a copy to you. Having trouble with your internet? Has the NBN failed you? Are you only able to get the slow satellite NBN with very limited data? Are you not able to get the NBN at all? Starlink is the answer. This is a standalone internet system that I personally use at home and have tested at speeds of over 250 megabytes a second. If you are fed up with slow, unreliable internet, then call us now and book a service call to see if Starlink is right for you. Jason's TV, 0403 688 666. 1FM sponsor. 
You know the garden could do with a makeover, so what are you waiting for? Cleves Garden Supplies have got everything you need to get the job done, and they're open seven days a week. Coloured mulches, decorative pebbles, river stones, crushed rocks, sands, gravel, sleepers, topsoils, pavers, you name it, they've got it. They'll deliver small loads and big loads straight to your door. Drop in and see them at 20 Wanganui Road, Shepparton, or give them a call. 58212 That's 58212 111. 1FM sponsor. You've been listening to a 1FM podcast.